Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the hard report, man. As we said, we're back, coming back to talking all things basketball. We're never going to miss a beat, especially when we're in the midst of the NBA playoffs. Um, we have quite the th- quite a lot of things we want to discuss today. So I don't want to waste too much time just because a lot of things have happened since we last spoken. So uh, without further ado, Kevin, Chris, how you been? Talk to me. It's good to be back as always. Uh, it's the harder reports. So we're coming at you two times a week. Second round's in full swing now. Some series are a lot close to, are extremely close to being over. Others aren't. So we'll get straight into it and we'll talk about a couple other things today. No doubt. Chris, what are you saying? Let's lead it in. Yeah, man. I'm 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 super happy that, you know, Toronto showing their heart, you know, showing their heart and pride and and not going outside like the Bucks, but we can talk about that later on in the pod as well. Good to be back. Yeah, it's always good to be back. Um we're gonna get into some of the game recaps, but we're gonna do that towards the end of the pod. I think we should switch it up a little bit. Let's start with some popular news that just came about. So for those of you that don't know, Steve Nash, Canadian, two time MVP Hall of Famer. Um, was recently hired as the Nets head coach. Now, without diving too much into the subject just yet, some people are a little bit uneasy about the hire just because they feel as if he doesn't have the experience on a coaching staff. And for him to be given a position like that, they feel as if it's not fair um, as they see that there's other candidates that seem fit. Me personally, I'm not really, I don't feel any way about it. I'm indifferent just for the simple fact that I've seen people in other positions get get the job with less experience. Like, I've, I remember when they said that Chauncey Billups was going to be the GM for the Cavs, and he didn't have any experience on a coaching staff. So, um, like, I, I, don't, I don't see why people are, are pinpointing Steve Nash as that guy that all of a sudden skipped the ladder, skipped the line to get a head coaching job. Like, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I think, to answer your question, I think the, the reason why they're pointing at him is because he's taking over, like, a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think that's why people are upset. Um, For me, I think, I obviously think, yes, as a player, looking at him as a player, do I think he could be someone that could be a head coach? Yes. But to me, it's just weird when you look at a guy like him, when you have guys like Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd, for example, who are obviously former players, which is the box that Steve Nash checks great players aside from Tyron but Jason Kidd was a great player Hall of Famer and he has the experience as a head coach so for me I'm looking at it as okay does he deserve this no but we've seen this before there are plenty of coaches that get former players that get jobs with no head coaching experience for me I think it's stupid especially when you're talking about a team that is this talented with such a win now expectation but it could very well be a situation where if he wins a championship or he performs well like Tyron Lue did, people are just going to look at this guy like he's some type of head coach now. When, in fact, there's 20 people that probably could have been great with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and the cast around them. Uh, okay, for me, I understand the premise of what people are saying, and I get it, right? Stephen A. jumped out the window when he called out white privilege. That's and bullshit. Yeah, even though I don't, yeah, even though I don't understand that point of it, because... Nobody can say that Steve Nash doesn't have some credentials just off the fact that he was a point guard in the league, which is highly regarded. Usually coaches, you know, guards transition over into being head coaches. And then he was a two-time MVP, one of the best passers, offensive minds you can ever think of when it comes to basketball. So I I, I get the reason why he may have jumped the line. 
what I seen it as is that the Nets were saying, I want my version of Steve Kerr. And that's all I, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind is like, yeah, they're begging for, for them to recreate what they did back then in, in Golden State. And it's like, for me, like people are bringing up Ty Lue, Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd. And I don't see necessarily them as a fit unless you're telling me that KD and Kyrie needs to be motivated to win. Right. Especially guys like Mark Jackson and Ty Lue. They're more they're more like they're not necessarily like offensive anything. It's just like they're going to command the locker room and they're going to like, you know, be that shining light motivator for the team. And I don't feel like the Nets need that. So I, I agree with the signing of Steve Kerr in the sense that we want to. We want to build a culture where everybody shares the ball. The ball is always moving. We have a whole sorry, bunch sorry of... Sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut but Steve Nash. Steve Nash. You said Steve Kerr. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Steve Kerr. Um, Steve Nash. Yeah, so I, I understand. Like, they're trying to build a culture where they want the offense to shine bright, especially for a team that we all know they're not going to be playing, you know, any defense to that type of degree. They don't have that personnel on the team. So I get it. Steve Nash, yeah, like, he's new at it, but, like, I, I also don't think he's going to be over his head here at all. Here's, here's, sorry, hold on, Rob's amigo. Um, in terms of what Stephen A. was saying about the whole white privilege thing, my issue with Stephen A. saying that, there's two reasons for that. First of all, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving picked this guy. So who are you mad at at this point? Are you mad at Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for picking the white guy when there's plenty of other candidates who fit the same boxes as Steve Nash? Is that who you're mad at? And the second thing is, when it comes, we all know that this white privilege and the, you know, large amount of black people in, sorry, white people in, in these head office, these head roles, right? Coaches to the head organization far outweigh the amount of black players that are in this league. So we know there is a problem. So my issue is, Stephen, pick your battles. Yeah, this wasn't the one to... When you, to, when you decide to, yeah, when to you decide it. to get mad and you decide to make a point, make sure it's the one that's actually valid. Because you know why? The people that don't want to hear you anyways, next time when there's a real situation where you see a black coach, GM, or something done wrong, or a white, a white coach is offered more time, whatever it is, fans aren't going to want to hear you because they're going to point back and say, look what he did with Steve Nash. Well, Stephen A's biggest gripe was the fact that Jack Vaughn um, was, was qualified. And instead of him being, you know, upgraded to the head coach they just made him the highest paid assistant and i get it, it like it doesn't look it actually the interim though yeah yeah but like it doesn't look good because like he, he, Stephen A was saying like he was doing he was doing a good job when he when they gave him that interim role and instead of instead of actually giving him the role upgrading him and saying you are the coach now you're just the highest paid assistant but like well, you said on. like at the end of the day Kade, if KD and Kyrie walked into the office and said yeah we believe in him they would have made him the coach. So, like, exactly. This is based on the relation. Steve Kerr, Steve Nash getting this job is based on his relationship with Kevin Durant, essentially. So, who are you mad at, Stephen? Eh? That's that's my question. Kenny Atkinson, thing is Kenny Atkinson was doing a great job. He got fired. Jogvon was interim. He did a great job, and he got put back into his assistant role. So, it was a clear reason of who they had somebody they wanted. We didn't even hear about Steve Nash. But that's what I'm right. trying to say. I think that that was part of the issue that I had with guys like Stephen A. Just blatantly blurting out nonsense. Because if you read the article that was released, many articles that were released, it would tell you that the Nets have been courting Steve Nash for quite some time now. They just kept it real tight-lipped, right? There was some turmoil behind the scenes with Kenny Atkinson that we didn't obviously know about until recently. 
and they're just gonna the, fuck with him. That's why. No, but I'm saying even if that's like even if they say they didn't, bro. It, the point is, is that they've been to, apparently talking to Steve Nash for upwards of a year now. So it's not like they just randomly fired Kenny Atkinson and said, "Hey, Steve Nash, come in, let's have a chat." Like they know what they're doing. It. And again, I'm not gonna blame a franchise that that makes a decision when it it seems to be as if it's been well thought. Right? It's not an abrupt decision to just say, oh, we're going to fire the coach that helped us turn around. And granted, one of the better rebuilds we've seen in the past couple of years, considering the position they're in before. And we're not just going to fire him and say, oh, yeah, we're going to bring this guy with no coaching experience that we never talked to before, but Katie fucks with him. It's not that. Like, it's much more than that. And I feel That's like people exactly don't give, aren't giving the. <laughs> no, I don't think it's the, the fact that they courted him for a year so. doesn't change anything. It's, he's still that guy that just came off the street, former NBA Hall of Famer with no credentials. And because he the, the, yeah, the courting could have been just Steve Nash wondering if I even want to do it. Like he was, he was big time soccer analyst. You know what I'm saying? Like he was doing saying, this. I, saw this guy, article, right? I, I promise you a couple months ago, I was watching this guy on TV. Yeah, it, it could have just been a situation where he, Steve Nash is wondering, do I want to? And then but after see, but many discussions, he decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. I agree. I would agree with that. Part of it was him wondering whether or not he wanted to accept the role. But uh, in the article, it says that they were also considering other candidates. So, again, like, I'm not going to just say that they may have given him a little bit of a boost, again, because of his relationship with Kevin Durant. But I don't feel like it was automatically, oh, you're, you're Steve Nash. We're just going to take you. Like, I feel like it was a, a full courting process. Because, again, oh, no. there are guys like Mark Jackson out there, uh, uh, Jason Kidd. Like, there are guys out there that are more than qualified. And, again, I don't want to sh- throw too much shade at Jack Vaughn, but I just don't think he was the guy for the role because we've seen how he performed in head coaching roles outside of the net. So, like, Did I don't know if that was one, the one that – Did he only get the one chance, though? Wasn't he – He was in Orlando. Liquor, yeah, the one little chance at Orlando. My issue is right? – But you should – it is what it is. Rob, to what you're saying, Steve Nash doesn't have this job if he doesn't fuck with KD. That, to me, yeah, that's the essence. 100%. So for me, I can't just say it's just a 100%. little boost or their court. No, the essence is he's a Hall of Famer, so he obviously knows the game, right? We get that out of the way. So he's obviously, he has the ability. It's not he has the potential to be great. The fact is, we just know that there are more qualified guys out there who are just as good as him or who have been coaches before. Hey, I'll say now, this. And no, no, hold on, hold on. And now, for me, when I look at it, what's the ma- what's the difference between those guys and Steve Nash? One, he's green. The other one is they don't have a relationship with KD like that. So here's 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 one thing I want to go to. So I want my guys to follow me here, right? Follow me on this. When Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decided to sign with the Brooklyn Nets, their main folk the, the main thing that they highlighted was we like what they're doing here. They're a new organization. They've come up, you know, they're having pure fun. The organization seems to turn a corner, and we like what we're doing there. So you want to come here and be a part of that. Correct? Yeah, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you say that, and since you've touched this organization, it's been a complete upheaval. And it's basically based on what you wanted. So you, Kenny Atkinson gets fired. There's a huge issue with them playing Jared Allen over – um, DeAndre Jordan, right? Who is KD and Kyrie's man? First of all, they even signed DeAndre Jordan because KD and Kyrie's man. They signed Garrett Temple. They signed Wilson Chandler. These are all their boys. Seen? So then, KD's obviously out for the year. Kyrie's barely in the lineup. When he is, he's alienating his teammates that are going out there and winning games with or without him. Talking about, oh, we, we need more players. We need more talent. This and that. You're not even in the lineup. Kenny Atkinson gets fired because they don't fuck with him, as Chris just said, then 
Jaguan takes over. Kyrie's gone by then, so it doesn't even matter. Jaguan performs well, outperf- plays better without Kyrie Irving on the floor, and when Mads thought they were dead, maybe not even making the playoffs when they returned to the bubble, they played extremely well and just had no chance against the Bucks. And now, sorry, against the, yeah, against the Bucks. No, it was the Raptors. Raptors. Against the Raptors, my apologies. And now, you're bringing a brand new coach just because you fuck with it. So my question is, how are you going to say that you went to this organization because you like it, but the minute you get there, you decide to change every single thing? To me, it well, sounds no. like you were talking bare bullshit and you just yeah. wanted a blank slate. You wanted, they, because you're coming from Boston where Kyrie's not running anything. You're coming from Golden State where it's Steph team and you're just a mercenary to a blank slate where you just want to create your own team. But my issue is you lied to the public because you told them that you like what they're doing. You want to be a part of it. No, that's not true. You wanted something that you could mold. Well, it's clear to me that that's par for the course. Like people are going to say whatever they want to say before they get there. But I truly believe is that it wasn't supposed to be Brooklyn. They were supposed to be with the Knicks and the Knicks went to bed. So they went to Brooklyn because at the time, yeah, they did have that culture. They did have that, that the arrow pointed up. So I don't think they were necessarily lying. They were just saying this New York team is better than that New York team. So we're going to go to this New York team. And that's what it is. And then when they got there, they do whatever they want to do because they're five-star players. That's just part for the course for me. Yeah. I, I just, I just haven't seen with the way that they, they went about see, it. I, I agree with you, Kev, to some degree. I feel like they did want a blank space, a blank slate. And I feel like that's part of the reason why they chose the Nets over the Knicks. However, I feel like it has more so to do with their character than anything else. Like, these guys are known to be toxic players, right? I feel like it's one of those situations where it's like, I'm having a barbecue, and you have that one friend that doesn't know how to behave when he's in public. You tell him, hey, like, I'm having this barbecue. You need to behave. He's like, don't worry. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then he goes there, and he he does what he does. Same thing with Katie and Kyrie. They say they want to have a fresh start. They want to turn a new leaf. They like what the Nets are doing. They come there, and they do what they do. There's turmoil. They cause confusion. They're throwing shade. It's just, it, I feel like it's just part of their character. And that's just who, who they are as players. Granted, like I would want to believe that they chose the Nets again because of the blank slate and also because of the core of the roster. But I don't feel like, I feel like part of the reason also why they chose the Nets is because they wanted to relieve themselves of the pressure. Because it's one thing to win in New York, but it's one thing to win in New York as a Nick. It's different, right? They're, I don't feel like they have the same type of, they obviously have high expectation as Nets, but they don't have the same they wouldn't have the same level of expectations as if they were doing this in the Knicks or at, on the, the Knicks. I don't know if that makes sense. And to be fair, it's not the right? Same. I don't think they're running the show in, in, in Nick land as they are here because of James Dolan and the way he operates. So for me, I truly think it just came down to a thing. Where do I have the most control? And they masqueraded as some mans who were, you know, who were just fucking with the movement, the movement, Remember, do you remember the the joy we saw in that Nets team the year prior with D'Angelo Russell, all those guys far exceeding expectations? A couple months Dancing later, on the Kyrie touchdown, that was done. 100% done. You have a guy like Jaron Allen, as shit as he is, he's going out there all 82. Kyrie Irving appears for 20 games, and now you're throwing mans like that under the bus. Talking about we have no talent on this roster, we need more talent, blah, blah, blah. Like, for me, I, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't stand that type of behavior, for me personally. Because it just strikes me as two guys who never got their way wherever they were because they weren't that valued or they didn't get their chance. Now they want to move like Braun. And to me, they're just not Braun. Well, Braun is Braun. Like, we have to remember that. Like, one thing, I guess I was never really that surprised just because from when I heard Kyrie say he wanted to leave Cleveland, I knew that he was a problem 
started at once. And we already know that Katie's a head case from how long ago. So, like, again, I, I knew that this would not be the fairy tale championship team that everybody thinks it's going to be just because those two personalities on a team like this, I just didn't necessarily see it being as so sweet as I thought it would, or most people thought it would be right. Like the road to a championship isn't going to be so clear. However, um, I, one thing I just do want to take away from this is like, yeah, okay. You got your coach. You're going to have some say in the roster that you're going to move forward with. Katie's going to come back healthy. Hopefully not. No win. excuses. And then you have Kyrie. No excuses. It's time to go out there and win. Cause when Braun asked for Ty Lue, he got Ty Lue and he did what he had to do. So I'm just saying if, if they want to move like this and be dictators and have all this power in the organization and so on and so forth, that's cool. And by all accounts, it seems as if the general manager has been giving them that leeway. But when the ball starts or when the season starts next year, there should be no excuses. We should be seeing you. It's championship or bust at this point, right? Like you have everything made to the way you want it. It's tailor made. It's up to you now. Ball's in your court. Get it done. That's how I see it. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't know. But nonetheless, hopefully Steve Nash does perform well. Again, we don't even know when the season is going to start, but like hopefully he can get in there and kind of – I want to see what offense he's going to implement. If he can op- implement that 10-second that offense that they did in Phoenix, I don't know if he will. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I want to see what Steve Nash has in store. But um, we've been talking for a little bit, so I think it's time for us to take about our first break, and then we'll come back and get into some of the game recaps um, to finish off the pod. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the little first part, man. Got into some of this new coaching business for the Nets. But let's get into these game recaps because we are in the midst of the playoffs. Um, let's start it off with the hot, the hot matchup. So we got Mr. Miami over here that called out the Miami Heat in six. And it's looking grim for the Bucks, man. They just they stole one game, 118-115, to bring the season series to 3-1 in favor of the Heat. Um, Middleton did his thing, of course. Um, Giannis went down with the ankle injury and didn't return. Um, but even so, man, it, it's looking grim. I, I might have to backtrack my, my little prediction ahead of time. But I don't know. What are you guys thinking, man? I, honestly, the Bucks really disappoint me. If they if they end up going out with the gentleman seat, they got to blow this up, so in my opinion, to be honest. You see, Robs, in the last part, I gave you the chance. And you were on the fence. And now look at that. The train done left. And... I told you guys, man's are just going to blanket Giannis. Now he's injured, and he was wearing a boot last time I saw him, so I don't know if he's going to play in the next game. And this thing is done. It's just how many – it's just it's just how much rest Miami's going to get at this point because Middleton had, what, dropped 36, um, hit a big shot yesterday, and put them up to win this game, but I don't see them getting one more. And I said Miami in six. My apologies, guys. I'll come for my ego and say – it might just be five. You know, we can all be wrong. So Sir Matt can't can't admit that they were wrong, but I can admit that I said Miami in six. Um oh, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna leave it to you guys still. Nah, um it's yo, that game, I think it was game three. Was it game three? It was game three when Jimmy Butler outscored the whole of the Bucks roster in the fourth quarter. Like after that, that's when I was like, right, if you guys aren't going to be out here, you know, putting, you know, the trust in yourselves, why am I going to put trust in you? It's just like, come on. One man can't outscore your entire team in the fourth, fam. The Bucks went over for whatever for the last five minutes of that game. Like, I'm talking about no buckets and five minutes to close out a game that you need to keep you from going down 
and you can't you can't muster up one single bucket. That's ridiculous, bro. So it's just like they deserve to go home. The effort that they displayed, you know, it's they're gonna get the results is what you know is what they deserve, and it's it's just tough. And it's just like I don't know, man. Like I don't see how they make this roster any better in terms of the Bucks. I really don't know where they go from here because everything that they have right now is it's surrounding Giannis to be the best that Giannis can be. The only thing I can say is, all right, do they need to get a, a, another scoring punch off of the bench to relieve? And that's what we said in, in, in one of the previous pods, of, to relieve that stress from Giannis to close out games or to relieve the stress from Middleton to close out games. Do they need to go find themselves like a Lou Will or even like a, a lower T Ross or whatever? But like even that, it's like, that's not pushing the needle enough to say, what happens? It's Giannis, bro. Like it's going to come down to can Giannis do it? And I'm not trying to be the guy to call out Giannis and do what they did to LeBron or what they did to KD to have Giannis going to go chase a ring KD style. Like, I don't believe in that type of stuff. But at the same time, I also believe in holding people accountable. And you got to hold Giannis accountable. He's the best player. He's about to be back-to-back MVPs. They did it to everybody else, so I'm going to have to do it to you. You got to be better. That's just what it is. So hopefully next year he comes out and he can – people have – the book is out. In the playoffs, the book is out already. You know what I'm saying? We we laid that foundation and now you see – yeah, like now you see a next team coming up with the same formula. So it's like you have to go in and, and figure out how to attack this formula because this is going to be your Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one thing I, I really took away from the series, and like obviously Miami showed me something – these past couple games, especially Jimmy Butler, because I didn't think he had it, but he has it. But I think one thing I took away from this whole entire season was that, like, playoff basketball is really different from regular season basketball. Because as I'm watching the games, the things that Giannis is doing in regular season, he's not doing in the playoffs. They're collapsing the paint. He, his post game isn't saying nothing. Even when he takes open shots, it's a set shot. It looks ugly. Like, Yo, if he's not in transition, he's not effective. Quick thing, just to, just to throw out some numbers, right? Because... This is astonishing. Like, Giannis in the regular season was 66 on drives, 66% field goal on drives, right? Against the Magic, he was 70%. The man is below 50% against the Heat. So it's looking like if you have a coach or you have some personnel that can play some defense, Giannis isn't moving. It's almost like it's better for them to not have Giannis on the floor. And that's crazy to think about. It's crazy. I don't know about that. Because at that point, you're putting the ball in Milton's hand and, and asking him to get you 30. And I don't know if he's doing that every night. He's, he's more of a guy to give you an efficient 20 than he is to give you a semi-efficient 30. No, I'm efficient. talking about just, like, how the offense looks. Because, like, if they're going to have Giannis go from 70 to 66%, damn near 70% efficiency, like, that's a big part of their offense. That's just down the drain. I don't know, man. It. It's interesting. I pray to God that they they come back. So I don't like a like a clown on this pie because I've been I've been supporting them for a while now, and your for them ego. to come out and get washed. That's just your ego, brother. <laughs> yeah, I said Bucks and six. So like, if they do Bucks Damn. and seven, if I, if they do, I'm not too far off if it's Bucks and seven. So like, well, I, just how I said Miami and six. Though. Yeah, That's I'm not. Fast. So if they come back, they come Backies. back. So we'll, see. we'll see. Still, I'm not completely wrong right now. So. I like it ain't done until they close the curtains. Yo, y'all still digging the hole, eh? I hear you. Don't worry. Man, you gotta die in the hole sometimes. It's a Sparta thing. Like sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta die in that stuff. <laughs> Yo, for All me right, with Giannis. Well, moving on. Hold on. For me with Giannis, um I think they've already started this kind of thing where they're gonna they're basically speaking into existence that he's gonna leave. And I think it's just based on the fact that the media wants him out of Milwaukee. They want him somewhere that's sexier, a better market for them and They've just started. 
I don't think Giannis has ever given any real inclination that he would ever leave Milwaukee, but yet we already have front runners. So for me, it's like they're just working. They're misogyny right now. They're just misogyny. Yeah, what did they say? Get the get the Dan Ford ready. For the ready. They're just massaging it now <laughs> to the point where once they keep saying it, it's just gonna be reality. Like Mads are just gonna to expect the, me honest to leave now based off nothing. Welcome but, to the screw face capital. I truly don't believe Bucks <laughs> trading by any means. So let's see what happens going forward. We'll see. Um again, interesting series, turn of events, because who would have thought? But next series we I got <laughs> nah, whatever, man. <laughs> um Let's let's talk about the Lakers. (laughs) Let's talk about the Lakers and the Rockets. So they now tied it up. Lakers winning the last game, one seventeen, one hundred nine against the Rockets. Um, Honestly, I was watching part of the game last night, and honestly, I seen Bron turn it up. Like he was out there performing on the highest level, and AD was unstoppable. And I think one thing I took away from this game is like, why can't AD do this every game? Like I, I just don't understand why. Like I sometimes I look at AD and it's just like I'm kind of disappointed. Granted, we know he's a great player, but it's just like I don't ever see a matchup. Very seldom do I see a matchup where someone can actually sit in front of AD and say, "I'm going to defend you." Like I feel like he always has a mismatch or has an advantage, right. and I just don't know if he always takes full advantage of it. So in this game, he came out aggressive. He took the ball. He was going right at them, and he did what AD's supposed to do. This is what the Lakers team is, is re- relies on. They need their best two players to perform at the highest level in order to be able to compete. Brown was doing his thing, and AD was doing his thing. If they continue to do this, they can definitely close out the series, I believe, in six games. So um, I feel like AD really has the keys to this matchup, in my opinion. No, I, I don't think it's AD. And AD is going to be AD, in my opinion, just because 6'5 is 6'5. P.J. Tucker can have all the heart he wants. 6'5 is 6'5. And when you have a, a, a 6'11", 6'10", player with the finesse and the touch like ad he's supposed to do what ad does my thing is i'm looking at lebron because in game one you saw game one portland lebron so it's coming to the point where i don't even want them like if if the clippers finish off denver in in six or in five i need lebron whatever i need lebron to, to close up that matchup in six or in five because it's looking like any type of rest this man gets he goes back to being shit he just needs to keep keep himself going, keep himself in shape, or keep himself in game game ready. I don't know, bro, but like he went, he was game one Portland in game one of the Houston series, and then last night it clicked, and he went right back to being Gold James. So it's gonna come down to LeBron because if LeBron's aggressive, the Lakers do not have the personnel for LeBron to not be aggressive and to be pushing the envelope. Yesterday he was dunking everything and sending every single shot back to wherever they wherever it came from. That's the type of LeBron that they need in order to move on. Did man see the pin on Russell Westbrook? How you timed that? Fam, <laughs> crazy. he, oh, he took one on. shot. Fam, Russell went to first of all, Russell, on, Russell, on real thing, Russell, Russell had that ball under the under the rim still. So like, yo, yo, Russell was very <laughs> honestly. If you if you put D'Antoni on true serum, and you said D'Antoni, would you rather Russell Westbrook not be available to play? I think he might say, "I rather him not be available to play" because Russell Westbrook is a cancer on that team in terms of his shooting. Like to the, they're literally saying, Russell, I'm begging you to shoot. And the man went one for eight from deep last night. You're not going to win games like that if that's what, that's, that's what it's going to be. Because at that point, it only takes one other player on your team to go completely cold. And now you're getting blown out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everybody else was four for eight, five for, five for nine. Like, the, the team as a, as a whole shot 41% from deep with Russell going one for eight. So, just imagine. Like, come on. 
LeBron just has to get it done for me. Like, I don't know which AD is going to show up from night to night. And regardless of which one shows up, if Bron's being Bron, they have a chance to win every night. So for me, it's just LeBron James, man. That team is garbage. You look at guys like Danny Green calling out the fans for calling him shit. Like he can't pass dribble or shoot for half the, half the time. No way he called out the fans. What did he, he say? He said, he's basically said where if you're roasting me on Twitter and blah, 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 don't show up to the parade. Oh, he went, he went that route? Yeah, he went out sad. The don't see me when I'm on my high. <laughs> yeah. Can't take me when I'm on my low. <laughs> You've been bad. Yeah. Yo, he said, you won't have me in my glow if you can't have me in my no. So, for me, again, it comes down to bronze, though. So I'm going to leave it at that. No, no, no. All right, all right, all right. Moving over to the Toronto Raptors, because you know what I'm saying? We've got to get that segment point in. You see it. But nah, go ahead. Go ahead. Get... <laughs> Rob's. <laughs> Rob. OG saved us. OG saved this entire series. We're down to OG has a trade to put us to win this game. And now, as Fred Van Vliet said, they fucked up. So now we're back. And it's 2-2. Two, two. It's a brand new game. It's a three-game series now. So for me, our guys who are supposed to win us games just need to show up. Right? I've, on the other side of the ball, I think we got to figure out something with Kemba because he's been torching us in the pick and roll all series. And I think Nurse, Nick Nurse has to make some type of adjustments because he's dancing on Mark Gasol once he gets past that five. So aside from that, I think we've been playing well. Jason, Jalen Brown's been playing extreme, has been struggling the past two games, and he's just missing shots. Uh, we're going to have to hope for that to continue. And Pascal, again, he just has to be better. He played well last game. Fred Van Vliet played well. Lowry played well, and we're going to need that going forward. We're going to need some guys off the bench. Serge Ibaka, shout out to Serge Ibaka. He's been our best player in this playoffs. And for me, it's not even close. I don't know about our best player. Nah, nah, he's been our best that's, player. I don't, nah, that's definitely Kyle Lowry, fam. That's nah, fam have you seen Lowry's numbers? Fam, I don't care about the three. I don't care about the shooting numbers. No, 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 I'm no. I'm talking no, about nah, the nah. effort that I'm nah, seeing nah, out nah. there. But, I, but nah, I think Serge has been our best player. He's been our most consistent. I, don't, I can't remember Serge having a bad game. Not in this series. So for me... I hope he continues to play well off the bench. Norman Powell, I'm going to need something more from you as well. I think we got a good shot. We got as good a shot as anybody. And with Miami advancing, we could very well make a trip to the finals. We will be in the NBA finals, man. So I'm not going that far. I'm not, I'm not rolling, riding this roller coaster just yet. Um, I'm going to see what happens today. But I'm excited. I can't say I'm not excited. I'm not happy for these guys. We didn't go all sad. So if we lose this series from here on out, I'm cool with it. If... You know, we progress. We got a good shot to make it to the finals. And as long as we don't play the Clippers, we have a good chance at winning. All my chips are in. I officially hit up the dealer um, and I said, yeah, I, I want all in, fam. Like, taking a step back, and I feel like this is objective. If you take an objective stand back, we should be up 3-1. It took Marcus Smart catching the Holy Ghost to start nah, the fourth Boston's quarter with five threes. OG shouldn't hit that. Boston's going to say that that OG play is just something that doesn't really happen. I, 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 fair, fair. So we're squared now. So we're squared. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're squared. So I, that's, I, that's fine with me because the way I see it, I see a team that's just better coached. Shout out to Nick Nurse. Brad Stevens, get off your high horse. You're getting out coached right now. All right, that's one. Their personnel are just putting out better effort. Like the 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 type the intensity that is required to play our defense, you know what I'm saying? Like they're zone one one possession, they're boxing one the other possession, the other possession they're blitz and pick and rolls, 
uh, double team and pick and rolls. The other possession, they're sitting back and just flying out to the shooters on the uh, on the kickouts. Like the the intensity that it takes, Kyle Lowry. The reason why I'm saying Kyle Lowry has been our best player so far is because I literally see that guy every everywhere all over the court. He's always on the ground. He's always diving for for, for the loose balls putting his body on the line on drives, the step back, timely three point shots that he hit in that last game, timely where we needed the bucket. I seen him deliver. It's like El Capitan, you know what I'm saying? Like Kyle Laurie. So I'm just, my only fear with, with this is saying, can we continue to keep up this type of effort? Because it's clear that Nick Nurse isn't getting deep into the bench. Right. So are we going to be able to sustain this? for possibly seven games. And when the game seven comes along, because I, I know our offense can come and go. So are we going to be able to, 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 you know, sustain it? And I'm looking at Siakam. Eventually, eventually, one of these games, Siakam is going to start hitting those three-pointers. He can't be that bad from three. Uh, going one for seven, one for six. The other game, what, what did he go? Two for ten? Like, two for 13, one of the last game. One of these nights, he's going to start hitting. Even if he goes, he's going to get like a four or five three-point you know, game. And that's when we're just going to blow out the thing. I'm hoping that that's next game. We're going to blow them out or not necessarily blow them out, but it won't be a, a nail biter like how the other games have been. And then game six, we close that out. I'm hoping I see Raptors in six. If Here's, it has to go seven, sure. But I'm hoping for Raptors in six. Here's my thing. I don't think there's much science to this series right now. I don't think it's a matter of being outcoached, effort, this and that. I think both teams play with extreme effort. I think at some point, you got to just look at basketball as a sport. It doesn't – like, you're just going to win or you're going to lose sometimes. And I think these teams, in terms of talent, are, you know, fairly comparable. Well, not since we're only playing seven guys. Our bench kind of gets limited. But I think it's just, come, it's just coming down to are you winning or losing that night? Because at every point in the series, the Raptors can look and say, all right, this guy played bad. And we barely lost. So the next game we should win. Boston's going to look at that and say, Jalen Brown played like shit and we barely lost. We were closer at the very end. So, like, it's not science to me. I don't think anyone's getting out coached. I think we just have, I think it's just come down to momentum at this point. And I think our best chance to win this series is to just keep going and close them out in six, like we did last year against the Bucks. Now, am I hanging my hat on that? No, but we have a very good chance. And I think Boston's probably. They don't have the momentum right now, but a big win, a, a big win today or anything like that. Go ahead, go ahead. Here's the reason why I say the Raptors are are alcohol or Nick Nurse is outcoaching, right? It's the fact that <clears throat> I heard Brad Brad Stevens from his own mouth saying that we have to figure out what we're going to do with this Raptor defense, right? I also heard in mid game saying that the fact that they're they're switching up their defense basically by the possession, it's hard for us, and we don't and and and, and we don't necessarily know what we're going to do. On Jason Tatum, when he drives, he's getting trapped like Giannis. But on other, on every other player, they're playing a whole different style. Nah, so it's like, room. so it is killing inside the rim. But what I'm saying, it's not killing us, killing us because we just went over. We just went two and zero. So it's like Brad Stevens is is acknowledging the fact that he has some work to do. I don't Man. hear that out of Nick Nurse's mouth. Okay, but but here's the thing, right? As much as Brad Stevens is talking about our defense, that last game we shot 39. percent So we clearly they're clearly playing some defense too. And but now nah, we're missing. We're just missing. Okay, and Boston shot 20% from three. So they're just missing two. Like, come on. You know the players on that roster. 
you know, you saw the, the looks that Jalen Brown was getting. Come on, let's not try. Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown is the only man that I was saying was was legitimately missing wide open threes. But I see Siakam miss wide open threes. Okay, but we know Siakam like, is not even supposed to be taking that many. That's my point. Like, is, we, Jay, is Jalen Brown? Yes, he's, he's career thirty eight percent. He's career thirty eight percent. What are you talking about? Oh my days! On when we talk about the percentage, I want to talk about the volume and the percentage because you can't just be career thirty eight percent with two threes a night. I don't rate uh, that. You know he's not shooting 32 threes a night. He's hitting like 2.5 a night. So he's This like, year. Right, okay, but he wasn't playing as much in his career. But I'm saying the man's 38% and he's been that for his entire career. My thing is, what I'm saying is, we're going to, like, the Raptors are shooting 39%. They hit 38% from threes. That's why we won that game, despite shooting 39%. Boston hit 20%. That's not, you can't bet on that going forward. That's why for me it's not a science. Like, if but you can't. Hitting, because because we were the, we were like the second best team in defending the three point line. Okay, so what about all the other games before when they were hitting trade balls? That's all I'm saying. It's just like if anything, that's the anomaly. No, it's not, man. Based on our numbers in the regular we season, can, if we held anything, teams to, we held teams to twenty percent. We held teams to twenty percent. Not twenty percent, but okay, when they so were so shooting forty. They were shooting forty percent against okay, us. That, so that's what, ridiculous. So, so okay, and we just shot forty percent the other night. That's ridiculous too, because they're a good defensive team. So that's my point. All yeah, I'm saying, but it's is, not ridiculous on. for us. What are you so, so now? You're not making sense, fam. We were 37 percent from the okay. season in the regular season. Yeah, Boston was a good three-point shooting yeah. team, and, and they we were a good three-point shooting team, and so were they. They were an elite three-point shooting team too. So what's your point? And on one end, you're crediting the, the Raptors' defense, and then the other end, you're not crediting the Celtics' defense. On one end, you're crediting the, the Raptors' offense, and then not crediting the Celtics' offense. I'm just going based off what we do. That's okay, what I'm, and I'm tell- Okay, right. And I'm telling you what the other team does as well, because what I'm telling you is we're shooting bad too. So that's why, for me, it comes down to wins and losses. It's not bare science right now, because Brad Stevens can go out there and say whatever he wants. When I look at the numbers, we're struggling as well. So there's guys on our team that need to play better. We can easily, as much as quickly as we became this team that won two games, we could easily be that team that in the first two games. Because let's be real, again, OG hits a shot with 0.5 seconds, right? We're, it's not like we, we just flipped the switch and we've been blowing these guys out. Any one of these games that we won could have went either way. Just like a, a couple of those, the one of the games that the Celtics won could have went either way as well. So all I'm saying is, let's not act like it's a science. We're just winning games and we need to continue to do that because both of these teams are playing very good defense by all numbers, by all metrics. Celtics shot 20% last game. You can't expect that. To, you don't expect that to continue. It could, but you don't expect it to because who they are, right? Because of who we are make, gives an explanation as to why th- this can happen. But it doesn't mean that we're just going to discount who they are completely. Like, they don't have elite three-point shooters. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid still. Yeah, 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 you are. So, <laughs> and, I, and I'd rather you just admit that off-rip so we don't have to do this conversation. No, 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 but, but no, no, but I have, I, have, I have reason to. That's what I'm no, saying. No, it's, no, not no, like no. I'm not, it's not but like I'm just out is, here just saying whatever. I have reason to drink the Kool-Aid. Right, my, but again, you're, gonna, you're focused on the Raptors, which is fine, right, as a fan. That's fine to do that. My issue is it's just saying things. You're just, you're talking about this series only talking about who the Raptors are, but not folks, not crediting the Celtics for who they are. And if we're being objective, as you, we try to start this conversation, it's not really, it's not objective when you're not crediting the other team for what they do as well. Like you're just saying, because we're a good three point defensive team that they should just shoot bad. No, because they're a great three point shooting team themselves. So there's a trade off there. That's all I'm saying. But again, I'm rolling. We got to keep this up. Uh, we, got, we just got to keep the momentum going because I think this is what the series has come down to. Uh, moving into the last matchup that we're going to discuss today, uh, we have the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. With the Denver Nuggets still in a game uh, to even up the series at 1-1. Um, one thing I really like about Denver, and this may be a little bit over the top, but like Jamal Murray 
has came out and really changed my perspective of him, not only in this series, but the series before. And I like Denver, and I know you have said this in the past, Kevin, I agree. They need to consolidate, right? Because assuming that Murray stays consistent with his play, obviously he's not going to go out there average 50 or 30, but if he stays relatively consistent with his play moving into the next series, uh, sorry, next season, and Jokic does what he does, and they're able to find someone of a third star, even if it's just like a low-level star, they'll be in good shape. Obviously, I don't think they're going to beat the Clippers um, just because the Clippers are overpowered. I feel like they're they're a well-oiled machine. And yeah, Kawhi had one of his worst shooting games in the playoffs history. I think this is, I forget the stat, but it was one of his worst shooting performances ever. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like, I'm glad they stole a game, but in all honesty, I could see this as a gentleman's sweep. Um, I, don't, I don't think they win another game. Unless Jamal Murray goes out and does another virtuoso performance, I, I don't see him, I don't see them winning another game. I could be a little bit. It wasn't even. It wasn't even Jamal Murray though. Like last game, I attribute that to what Jokic did, and Jokic should be able to continuously eat against that team. So like, but Jamal Murray did drop twenty seven though, on forty eight percent. Like, yeah, but like Jokic set the tone. Jokic had twenty six in the first half, and that by that yeah, point, like lead was the best player. The, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it's not a, it's not a Jamal Murray thing when it comes to this series. It's a Jokic. If Jokic is gonna go off like that and but gonna give a this. cushion, but what I'm saying is this: I'm not again when I'm looking at the team. I expect Jokic to do that because he's the best player. But what I'm saying is, I look at Jamal Murray as the X factor. He's the one that's gonna swing games. If he doesn't come out and perform, Jokic could do what he needs to do. I don't think that Denver wins. If he goes out there and performs, they have a chance. That's the way I look at it. He's the X factor. I expect Jokic to do what he's doing, right? Because you're the best player. You have a set role. You know what you're doing. We expect that from you. You're a top 15 player in the league. Jamal Murray is the guy that somewhat has something to prove, and he should be the one that is able to swing games, right? Like he did when we were in Utah. Yeah. Because because Jokic isn't that absolute like superstar top five guy like Kawhi like LeBron that can absolutely swing a game on his ones I agree with Robs regardless of what Jokic does regardless of how good he plays they're gonna need another guy to swing these games and that's gonna be Jamal Murray Uh, there's no one else really to look at Um, Michael Porter Jr. can't stay on the floor for extended periods so it has to be Jamal Murray and as good as he played I think they just got too many looks for him for him to do what he did against the Jazz, and I think they'll need that to even have a chance in the series. Yes, it's tied 1-1, but again, Kawhi had the worst game maybe of his playoff career, and we know that's not going to continue. Yeah. Oh, Chris is mute? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it, I don't really have much to say about this one still. Like, I don't – it was – I was surprised when I was seeing that Denver was winning. I was happy because, like, like I said, like, I want them to get enough games off of – enough games off of them so like you know LeBron doesn't have to be struggling over there with with Harden but it's Kawhi man like I'm I'm never gonna if I don't see somebody I can say this is who is going to guard Kawhi then I'm not going to pick the other team to win because I, I believe when it's time to win Kawhi will win so like it is what it is one thing I do want to make note of on Denver and I know you said this earlier Chris so I'm going to give you credit uh Gary Harris defense is really elevating the team I'm not going to lie um He's out there performing. Him, Torrey Craig, and um, Jer- Jeremy Grant, we may not, not necessarily label them as defenders or give them that lockdown badge, but they're, they're doing an adequate job right now. Like, I didn't – Gary Harris came, and I thought he had one leg out there, but he came and, sh- and showed that, like, hey, 
I'm not going to give you 25 points a game, but I'll, I'll play some solid defense and I'll hit a one, two shots with, and we haven't seen that Gary Harris in a while. So um, maybe the break did him, did him some justice and let him get his legs back underneath him, but he's definitely elevated his play or he's performed better than I thought he would coming off the injury. Cause that guy sucked before he, before he went down with the injury. So um, Yo, um, Jeremy Grant should get a bag because he's playing the Phoenix. What's wrong with what? I, what happened to Will Burton? Why is he still out? I I thought they said something like he had like knee soreness and then like or, he wanted to his knee, I believe. And they said that like he wanted to get a second opinion or something like that. And then once he got the second opinion, they basically said that like, what does it even make sense for him to come back? Because some it was some weird situation where like. The the doctor told him that like it doesn't even make sense for you to return because like you're not gonna ever be able to like you're not gonna be ready in time by the time the playoffs is finished. So um, it's weird, but again, I don't know. But I don't know. But uh, here's an official statement: Barton is leaving the Orlando bubble to rehab his right knee. I take that's, take from that what you want. Yeah, I don't, I don't that's know. crazy. There's no he's not coming back because like again, if he's been out injured for a long time, like he can't just come back and play. This isn't a Rondo situation where. It, he had a um, broken hand where he can keep his cardio up and things like that. Like, even if he comes back, I don't think he'll ever crack the rotation just because there won't be minutes to get him game. Yeah. Time. So, like at this, like at this point, I've kind of just xed him out of like any thought process. Like he's just not on this team right now. It's crazy. I'm gonna have to go on and do that myself. So, <laughs> I'm just like, yo, where's Barton? Where's Barton? But I. Nah, you gotta look at you gotta treat like Bogdanovich yeah, or one good. of these men that just didn't come back still. Facts. Um, I think that's it for today though. I mean, like we got into all the game recaps, we got into the coach of the year. There's a good, nice long discussion. I mean, it's gonna be interesting because as we dwindle down, uh the game recaps are still gonna be coming through, but we're gonna come with some different content. We're gonna switch it up a little bit, give you guys some more interesting things to talk about outside of just the game recaps. So stay tuned for all of those. Um, once again, it is the hardware report, so never feel free. Always share a good thing. Never hoard it. Spread it. We're on all streaming platforms, YouTube, whatever you want to call in. Keep those ratings coming. Keep that feedback coming. We need that to accelerate and improve the podcast. Um, and also to know that you guys like to hear what we're saying. So uh, never never hold back on the feedback. Always make sure you give that up. Uh, Kev, Chris, you guys have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Shout out to Lou Dortz. I will not forget that you dropped 30 points in a game seven and held hard into 26% shooting. Big facts. Big um, bucks and seven. <laughs> yo, all right. So, yo, are you gonna apologize to me after that? <laughs> Fine. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm not wrong yet. Okay. And when you're wrong, you're gonna come on the pod and apologize. Sure. All right. So we'll keep the receipts. Y'all have the receipts. Make sure you pull up on the past two podcasts and listen to those as well, so you can hear where all this Mister Miami talk came from. But until then, we're going to keep it posted. Coming back to you twice a week with this consistent content, talking all things basketball. It's the Hardware Report. Stay tuned, and we'll talk to you guys next time.